Welcome to Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And, well, we made it. <laughs> to die in Bettendorf. What we've been talking up is like the best one-off episode they ever did. You know, maybe not Stairway to Heaven, although it is a direct sequel to Stairway to Heaven. And, and I think does a better job of being a sequel to Stairway to Heaven than Meet Mike McPike was. Yes. For sure. And that is the one problem with us watching this the way we're watching it, you know, after uh, doing this and Romp, because this is supposed to follow directly after. Mike McPike. Mike McPike. Like, it is supposed to. But I mean, we covered it last week. I think it's fine, but we should acknowledge that, yes, we are watching this incorrectly in a way that would adversely affect you if you watched them that way. So, yes, yes it's worth noting. All right. So the episode starts back in No One Gets Out of Here Alive. Like, literally, we just watch footage from that episode yeah. of Frank coming in and busting everybody at the wedding for conspiracy, you know, what with Pat getting murdered. What with Pat the Cat getting uh, killed and tossed in the Pine Barrens. And we get a follow-up to when uh, Sid said... I know who, you know, I know that Vinny's a cop. You're going to have to make a deal with me. And then the mob saying, we're going to get you no matter what. So that, that's that's where we find out. And then we cut to like a year after that. Which just, I guess, tells you how long these court cases last. Well, uh, Mahoney is Mahoney is dead. Well, so and that happened with, Al, you know, Aldo. Oh he no! Um, the interesting so thing he is, died, he had cancer then. Yeah, he had cancer then, and we don't actually know when he died, right? Because he was planning to kill himself in that episode, but in this episode, uh, Frank says that uh, Mahoney dropped just dropped dead. So I guess he didn't finally pull the trigger. On, <laughs> at the end of the day, he didn't pull the trigger on himself, and in fact, did die of his cancer later on. Yeah. And that's where we see. So it's been like a year-ish since everybody was arrested, because this is how long it takes to do court cases. And they are making the deal for Sid's uh, witness relocation program. And he is very unhappy with the terms of the deal. Because <laughs> it's... Well, uh, and the fact and he's that... terrible. The fact that there is a deal when there's no one to witness against. Well, no, but not yet. Uh, not that doesn't happen. At the, he's even being terrible before there's no one to witness against. Yes, because again, uh, Don Baglia is already dead at this point, as we know, and that happened midway through the uh, Roger Lococo Prophet family arc, yeah. right? Yeah. And so we know roughly when that happened, and we know that this is like another X amount of time after that. This might even be after the end of the Prophet arc. Uh, I would say because it's like it's hard to imagine Vinny being able to like jet away you know during yeah. at any point of the profit arc to drop by washington dc to be there for the deal they're making with sid <laughs> like at what point in hanging out with roger and the prophets could he have just jetted away to dc alone without anyone noticing you know yeah. so this might even be taking place after the profit arc it's hard to tell but anyway the point is he has some fixate, like he has some special things about how he wants to be treated in, uh, in witness relocation, and he's being difficult because it's Sid and Sid is the worst. And then Frank comes running in and says, 
uh, and says that Mahoney's dead. We don't need him anymore. Let's put him in jail for killing Karen Malloy, which, yeah, he absolutely should be in jail for that. 100%. He should be in jail for that. That was a monstrous episode. Uh, But, as Vinny says, he still knows I'm a federal agent. Like, whether or not he can testify against anybody, he still knows I'm a federal agent. So, we can't just have him go into court, because he can just get on the phone and blow my cover and get me killed and destroy everything the OCB is working for. Which is a really good point. And then Frank gets furious that this guy is going to get away with murdering a cop. And we have the pivotal moment of the episode where the guy from the marshal's office says, you know, what do you want, Frank? <laughs> like, how, Frank says, how come I get nothing? Well, what do you want, Frank? Do you want to do you want to name him? Do you want to decide where he lives, what he does for a living? And that is what Frank wants. And that is what Frank does. Oh. And then we cut to three years later. Oh my god, this episode. And so, um, and he is working in a shoe store. He is working in what is clearly, they don't say it, but because he's wearing a re-uniform, uh, he is, actually there might be a sign in the background, they just never say it. Uh, he is working for a company called Foot Locker, which I assume still exists, I don't know. But yeah, part was, of, yeah, okay. So Foot Locker's whole thing was everybody dressed as referees who worked there. I don't know why they did, but that's just a thing that was true of Foot Locker. And I gotta say, I feel like Foot Locker wouldn't sign off on this, you know, considering that he spends most of the episode being a horrible in a Foot Locker uniform. I feel like this is, this was probably not product placement. But uh, who can say, right? Yeah. All right. So uh, we so he makes the deal. Oh, and by the way, the and it opens with him fighting a woman over trying to sell his shoes. And if you're wondering what that's what that whole scene is about is that is supposed to be a cute little note and a reference to a television show called Married with Children. Uh, And Married with Children was uh, (laughs) because that's what (laughs) a show about a family and Al Bundy, the the patriarch of the family, was uh, worked in a woman's shoe store. And, you know, quite frequently on the show, he would have, you know, screaming debates with women who wanted shoes that they couldn't fit into. And so that's (laughs) like they want to make the point of how low Sid has fallen from being a titan of industry you know like one of the the most sought after accountants in America right to becoming Al Bundy is the idea yeah and his wife is devastated oh god yeah she can't take it anymore we switch to her we switch switch. over to her at home flipping through her book yeah. Right. And again, here's what I love about this scene. Right. And I adore this scene. Right. Uh, I think it's I think it's a fantastic scene. I think it's really well written. I think it's beautifully acted because it's one of those scenes where they're writing it so well that you don't notice that an entire other thing is happening. While, like on its face, it's a woman 
you know, distraught, looking back at the life she used to have, not being able to cope anymore and doing some laundry. And he specifically, uh, Sid asks her when he comes in, like, why are you doing the laundry? There's still plenty of clean clothes. And she starts complaining about how she doesn't want it to pile up. Right. And just uh, because it's just going to be more depressing if they're living in filth. And it gets fantastic because she then says to him, like, look, the thing I, I mean, I can I can live without the money. I can live without the the status, but I, I need to have friends. I need to live in society. I need to be part of a community. Right. Let me let me do things here in the city. We're in Bettendorf, Iowa. Who is ever going to find us? And he says, no, like they just can't risk it. And so it just seems when you're watching it, like a people having a conversation. But of course, she leaves him that mo the next morning. And we now and once she, he, she leaves him, we realize, OK, what we were actually watching was she had already decided to leave him. Right. And she was washing her clothes so she could pack everything overnight and ditch out of there. But she started flipping through the thing and feeling guilty. And so she gives him one last chance to give her a life. Yeah. And he can't do it. And so that's what makes her final decision to run out on him. And it's like, and you don't notice it at all when you're watching it. And then you find out that she leaves him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's all perfectly clear in that scene. Yeah. Like on the second viewing, it's perfectly clear what's going on the scene. And again, it's a very well written show, I guess is the point I'm making. One more time. Yeah. In case yeah. we haven't missed we haven't gotten through to the audience, right? Yes. Yeah. Our yeah. audience. And it's I think it's it's a Taylor Howard, <laughs> is that her name? The the actress playing his Who? wife? Who we had of course never seen before. Like we knew he was uh married. We've never seen her before, but she fits in perfectly. Oh, yeah, she's she's perfect. Yeah, the absolute, you know, patrician, wasp, high class lady, you know, who, as the, as we see in the newspapers, like was the, the queen of charity events and things like that. Like, we know exactly who this woman is. And yes, being a housewife in a tract home in Bettendorf, Iowa, is not what she was bred for. No. Oh, just really good scene. Yeah, really, really good scene. Yeah, really fantastic scene. And then so he wakes up and she sees her yeah, and he sees her driving off in a car in a pickup truck. <laughs> Which I think is notable. <laughs> he okay. actually screams, not a pickup truck. Yeah. I mean that that tells you, right? Yeah. She's gonna leave him for, for just a guy a in a pickup truck. Like, no, it wasn't bad enough that she was leaving him. A pickup truck? <laughs> wow. Uh, and we cut right from him being distraught, <laughs> right, to Frank waiting outside Jenny's house, because uh, they're they're going on that date that they talked about in uh, Meet Mike Big Pike. Right? Yeah. They're, they're actually going on that date. They're actually going to try to see if they can fit in each other's lives again. It's nice. Oh. Okay, know? I just need to stop you just for a oh, second. Go do a thing. Holland, it's Holland Taylor. Who Holland plays. Taylor, thank you. Holland Taylor. It's okay. Thank you for... No, no, I, I couldn't remember her name. I'm very embarrassed. 
Uh, Taylor doesn't seem like a uh, last name to me. I mean, it is, but I always think of it as a first name. Holland Taylor, who, of course, plays this exact part over and over again because she's perfect at it. Yes. She was a judge in the practice. Oh, God, yeah. She's been around for a long time. Oh, forever. I mean, she was the mother on Two and a Half Men. Like, yeah, Yeah. like years and years and years of playing this kind of part. She's great at it, is my point. And so, and that's why they get someone who's a pro like this, because she's only going to have one scene and you need to express everything about the character and their relationship and the kind of person she is and what she needs all in that one scene. And Holland Taylor is so good that she delivers it all in her one four minute scene. So yeah, just again, uh, nobody does better casting than (laughs) these people. Uh, and then we go right back to metaphor, fantastic metaphor at that, because Frank, uh, you know, shows up, um, shows up early with some flowers, but he's respect, even though, again, he's always talking about how it's his house, right? And he paid for the house and blah, 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 blah. He actually stands outside and waits for her to get home from work, holding the flowers. And then when they go out, she drives the car (laughs) and he's sitting in the passenger seat. So it's like, and they're making these points that even though he might be having trouble, Frank is putting in the actual effort, right? He is not like, again, literally he's not feeling like he is in the driver's seat of their relationship anymore, which is what he had always felt. Yes. You know, like, and that's, that's a great detail. And it's like, it's a staging detail. They're doing character stuff and even plot reveals by staging scenes. Oh, it's a fantastic show. And she even, she even gets, I mean, it's, I mean, it's so funny when he says, but we've got to get there. They're not going to hold our table. I know. And then she says, where is it? And so he, she phones and she knows the maitre d'. Yeah. And you can hear the maitre d' move the table for away from the kitchen. Frank had not had a good table. <laughs> no, of course, Frank. Because he was just that guy. But, you know, she works in the she works in the catering and she knows everybody at these restaurants now. <laughs> like, yep. She works in the industry. She has friends. She has connections. She has a whole life that he's not a part of. Yeah. And he didn't. And he like only and now is coming to understand that. Like she has she's being something else than Frank's wife and Drake's mother. Right? Yeah. And she's good for her. And she's good at it. And yeah. she's, you know, people doing like well. her. She's good at her job. Yeah. She's successful at it. Like, it's, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. She doesn't drink anymore. Yeah. And she's completely stopped the drinking, you know? And, and then we get a fantastic scene with them at the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Where once again, Frank is having to come to terms with stuff. Frank coming to terms with stuff is some of my favorite scenes on this show. <laughs> well, at least they did it for one of them. Yeah, they really did. Like, you know, Frank grows up. Frank grows up and joins the 1990s. <laughs> he wakes up and smells the 90s. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but it's like it's such a, it's a good series of scenes because you've got Frank having to open up and I think it's notable. I mean, I'm not saying they knew Meet Mike Big Pike was a bad episode, but it's not like they mentioned his dad at all in this like even though oh, they're, yeah. 
this is the direct like her his dad is theoretically directly what led to this happening and like he doesn't get mentioned at all i'm like i feel like maybe they knew what meet mike mcpike was i think so. I'm, you know i could be reading into it but that is my suspicion uh but yeah and they have like they're able to talk like adults and like equals again and it's may- great yeah maybe for the first time in their relationship yeah like there is there are no scales over anyone's eyes anymore right yeah. just and and that's the thing it's like it's so wonderful watching them do this and how it can be positive and how like maybe frank can change maybe frank can grow maybe frank can you know stop running from stuff that he doesn't control and i was like <laughs> you i mean the first time you watch it you were like you're watching this and that's exactly how you how do you see? Maybe they'll get back together again, and then he gets the fateful pager. Oh, oh. It's a pager, right? Yeah, he gets a page, and he has to go make a phone call from the... He gets to make a go uh, phone call from the, the concierge desk, or whatever you call it. Um, oh. wh- whatever you call the front desk at a thing. Obviously, it isn't a hotel, so it's not a concierge, but I think it's clear what I mean. Uh, <laughs> so he has to go to the call, and he finds out that... Uh, thank you, yes. Um, so he goes, and he finds out that... You know, uh, uh, he finds out that uh, that Sid has that disappeared. Elvis, that Elvis, Elvis has left the building. building. <laughs> I know. Oh, uh, because and I can't believe we didn't mention this. But the joke is uh, the main joke of the episode, and I can't believe we didn't mention this because we're negligent. Is he says, "What do you want to do? Name him," and he did. And so Sid Royce and his wife are now Elvis and Priscilla Prim. Wow. What a nasty thing to do. And it is. It's so nasty. It was really, 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 really nasty what he did. And yeah, and Sid's a monster. And we're not saying Sid's a monster, not a monster. But it's like to uh, to do that to his wife as well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> to do that uh, to curse them with this name and this life, like he went out of his way to be as awful as he po- as creatively awful as he possibly could, right? And that's the thing. And so, as a consequence. Sid blames him for everything that happened in his life, which, okay, like, uh, Sid, you made your own bed, but the kind of guy Sid is, I get why Sid is, you know, obviously going to blame Frank first. Yeah. Because that's just the kind of person Sid is. Like, everything that happened to Sid is Sid's fault, and all Frank did was choose the form of his punishment. And that's, I I think that's vital. I think one has to remember. I mean, that and well, we'll we 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 will talk more about that as we move along. Yeah, because I don't want to sort of. No, no, we're not going to spoil a bunch of stuff. Absolutely. The the discussion has to come organically from the episode. Absolutely right. I completely, I completely <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> okay. Oh, what an episode. Anyway. But it is yes, and so 
you know he takes the call and he doesn't he doesn't care he's on a date he's trying to fix his marriage and he's like he doesn't want to hear about this well and he doesn't really think that it's a big problem no how could it be they're in iowa yeah except and this is what the key the trick to get the uh uh the trick that the episode is pulling is right they don't know when sid left No. Sid missed a call with his handler, and then the handler came and looked for him, and Sid was gone. But they don't actually know when he left yet. They haven't, like, checked with his work and found out if he's been missing work or anything. Yeah. So they all, so Frank just assumes this isn't his problem, but what he doesn't know is that Sid left Iowa a while ago. Yes. Well, here's, here's, here's the problem, and we do get this discussion. Right by this guy was a bad handler. Yes, I really bad at his job. He was a bad U.S. marshal. Yep, he was bored. Mm -hmm. I'm sure being a handler for people in witness protection is boring. Of course, but it's necessary, and you can't fall down on the job. And he doesn't do what's ah yeah you know they probably blah 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 blah. Yeah, he even doesn't like. uh, He's like, oh, why bother informing Frank? And his boss is like, do your freaking job. Yeah. This is like the protocol is we inform the arresting officer. Like, here's a picture of him. Here's a picture of the arre- of the arrest on Sid's counter. Yeah, we got to tell Frank. That this is more like because he what Lucas was the one yeah. to call Frank and. And he's apologizing, but it's protocol, Frank. I'm sorry that I had to do this, but it's protocol. You were the arresting officer, yep. so I yep. have to do this. But he in it, and then he just, you know, yep. lets it go. And Frank lets it go. They don't even think about it mm-hmm. until, you know, the boss comes. And in the meantime, Frank and his wife have decided that they're going to go home and they're going to spend a weekend together. Yep. And, and we'll just see thing. what happens from there, because... Yeah. You know, Drake is out of town, so they're not misleading Drake into thinking they're getting back together get or anything. People. But, yeah. you know, they they want to give it a try. They're willing to see where this goes, right? They're, yeah. They still love each other. It's worth trying. And they get home, and Sid is there. Yeah. Jesus. Ah, Sid is there, and he's got a gun. And the thing is, like, this is the next half of the episode is this one scene. And it's a long scene. Yeah. Half the episode is just one scene of digging into everything from then on. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good scene. Yeah. And you can tell, I mean, the, it, no, it is a very good scene. And the, and the, the stress, the stress level as you watch Sid Royce breaking slowly down. Yeah, crumbling. Um, has, I mean, I'm certain... And it becomes clear that the only thing that has kept him from breaking down yeah. has been his wife. Yeah. Because he had this, because, uh, and for all, for all a monster, for whatever a monster he was, and he is a mon- is and was a monster, it becomes clear that he does love or believe he loves his wife. And, you know, he had one thing left of the life he loved, and that was he had his wife with him. And without his wife with him, he has nothing and he is no one. And that is his, that is what he believes. He has nothing. He is no one without his wife. And so 
he's gonna get her back or he's gonna get revenge on frank for taking her away from him one or the other like he's getting one of those things tonight and boy does this get good (laughs) it's the kind of thing where it's almost hard to talk about it because it's what are we gonna do go over every line in the episode yeah because it's incremental yeah, like it's just at the beginning, Sid looks as if he's reasonably, and of course he has to make comments about her cooking. Yep, and and the wine, the 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 wine that she had gone in to get mm-hmm. to, for for Frank to try because she doesn't can't try any of these things anymore. Yep, and so she, you know, and so she's doing all of that. He's any comments on her, whatever, but obviously likes the pate because. He asks her to get him more of the pate. I know, because again, it's you know? it's a piece of his old life. Yes, and you know, again, he it, it, it's it's mirroring early in the episode where he says to his wife, "I hope you didn't invite any company because I only bought enough deep fried gristle for the for two of us," <laughs> which is a very funny line. But it's like he's it's all buried under this dark rye him resenting that he has to live like this stuff. Yes. And you, it, it is, um, but in this, in this room, mm. right. So in the kitchen, they're in the kitchen and, um, it's, and, and it, it, it is a strange thing. Frank is going to try some, something like he was going to get the frying pan at one point. But yeah, the problem yeah. is, is that he's explaining everything that Frank did to him. Mm-hmm. And she's arrest. hearing all of it. For she's the first hearing. Time. Well, yeah, I mean, Frank never brought his work oh, home. Wait, and why wait, would he? Wait. They were separated at that point anyway. Yep. He wouldn't have brought it home anyway. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't have told her because it's witness protection. You can't, it's, it's yeah. secret. But what happens is that she sees the work side of Frank, um, the vicious side of Frank. That Even Frank can be cruel. Yeah. Can be really cruel with this Elvis and, and Priscilla. Well, as he says, I am Elvis Prim and he is my father. Yes. And so here, and then he makes Frank wear the Elvis Prim tag because he's going to be Sid Royce. He he's wants to be Sid be Royce again. Prim. He can't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the key part. Jenny's, like, seeing this side of him for the first time and is horrified by it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because how could she not be? Well, and he's falling apart, of course, and she's so sympathetic because what she's seeing... She doesn't know is a monster. Well, yeah, yeah. and, I mean, I'm certain part of her has to know that he deserved whatever he got if he went into witness protection. she, She knows that at a conscious level yeah but this here's this man in front of her falling apart when you see it if you're a person who's capable of empathy when you see a person in pain you can't not feel for them that's just how empathy works and as much of a monster as sid royce is he's in pain here he is not a cackling monster he is not trying to be cruel he is a wounded animal lashing out yeah. Of course she pities him. Yeah. You know? Of course she can't help but try to empathize with him. And you can say uh, later, like what continues to happen is she gets more calculated in her in her using her kindness against him. But in well, the first scenes, that's not what's happening at all. 
No, but then he, of course, he shoots yeah. he, between the two of them when Frank is going to yeah. start getting nasty. And then yep. Frank tries to get the frying pan, and then the phone rings. Yeah, and so he pulls his attention back. Yep. Oh. And so then Frank gets on the phone, and then they find out that Sid is in their kitchen. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, immediate giant police response. Yes, immediate giant police response. And um, he, but, I mean, what Frank is also watching is that Sid could go off, but could go He could kill both off. of them any moment. And he wants to, and he wants to just tell Jenny to go. Yeah. Or Genevieve yeah. to go. And she and, says, And no, what's I key is, what it, is that Sid is fine with that. Yeah. He doesn't He's care. She no. can go. She can go because it's just between him and Frank. And she yeah. accurately says that if she goes, Sid's going to kill Frank and she won't let that happen. Yes. And of course, Frank has explained to Sid already, you think this is paradise? <laughs> yes. She kicked me out three years ago or well, whatever. 18 months ago or whatever. 18 yeah. months ago, she kicked me out. Yeah. You know, and this is our first yeah, date our first in, date in years. Yeah. And so that's what that's that's the world you want. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but Jenny does step and say, No, you can't kill it, yeah. basically. Mm -hmm. And then she keeps and then he starts talking about his boo-boo. I mean yeah. his Paul noodles. Yeah. His wife is boo-boo and yeah. He starts to mess he starts his brain is just getting really, really messed up. Yeah. And he starts thinking she's and she feeds into it. Yes. Right? And she's and and I understand why she's trying to do this. She doesn't know anything about people really. No. And she doesn't understand that he's having a psychotic break. Yeah. And a psychotic break is very, very dangerous. Yeah. Because you don't know what person, what the person is going to flip to from moment to yeah. moment. Like, no. so you and can't know how to play this. No, you can't, you know. And, and, and so she tries her best and says her books are a mess. And oh, well, that's later. That's later. Well, yeah, but. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the books be like that. That's when he's fully gotten in his head that he's there with his wife. Yes. He's he's there with his wife, and so he tells Frank to go home. That he and his wife want to be together, and yeah. Frank yeah. is is in, intruding on you know they're getting back together and the rest of it. So well, I mean, she full on even says, right? She full on even says that that it's like you know, Mister McPike, I think you should go. My yeah. husband and I need some time to you know reconcile. Basically, oh yeah, she's yeah, but she's she's playing into oh, no, this she's playing into it perfectly yeah a smart thing to do in some ways frank doesn't know what to do about that particular part of it no but he's scared as hell oh yeah to leave her alone but he has no choice at this point no she thinks she can handle sit yeah and then he but, gets outside right and then he gets outside and the cops are all lined up you know ready to charge if they need to and yeah. vinnie's there yeah. And he explains the situation that Jenny has got him distracted. Like Jenny has got him distracted. And so they can make their move. And he grabs a rifle from one of the cops and they go around the back of them. And Vinny says to him, you know, Frank, I can do this for you. 
You know, you don't have to take a gun and shoot somebody in front of your wife. Yeah. And the key part is, he said, you've got enough on you already, Vinny. Like, I have to do this for myself. But the thing is, Frank doesn't have to do this for himself. No, Vinny I mean, could have done it. Vinny could have done it. And, and that's the thing. Him deciding to be the one to shoot Elvis, right? I think it comes back to, I don't know, a martyr complex? <laughs> How do you want to describe it? No, I don't know. Because, well, no, the thing in, in Frank's... Okay, it's not a martyr complex, but the thing in Frank's Frank's head, I think, is first of all, the minute Elvis right sure. realizes <laughs> that Boo Boo isn't Boo Boo, yeah. he could kill her. Exactly. Perfectly capable of killing anyone who stands in his way. Of course. So that's that's fine. Jenny doesn't understand that. Okay. But Frank, I think Frank has to do this because he knows this is all his fault. Yeah. Like he, I think this, it, it is a better reading to say that Frank has to do this because this is his responsibility. He made and this his fault. Yeah. If it wasn't for what he did yeah. by giving him these names and making Sending them to Iowa, a shoe salesman well, in Iowa. Well, he could have made him something else in Iowa. That's true. You know, he could have done something else that was a little bit more, you know, send him off, make him work in the library or something. Yeah. Something that might have been a little bit more respectable, but a shoe salesman. Yep. You know, I mean, it's the it's the Bundy. I'm, sh you know. Oh, that, yeah, that, that's that's the influence. Um, you know, that this is one of the worst, worst, the worst thing he could have. Uh, he could have done worse than made him a garbage man. Yeah. Well, no, because then I don't, that's the difference. A garbage man wouldn't have been worse because yeah. a garbage man doesn't get disrespected by people every day the way a salesman is. The genius of making a shoe yeah. salesman is that he would constantly have people talking down to him. And that would be like the worst thing in the world for Sid Royce. Yes. To constantly have people condescending to okay. him yes. and talking You're down right. to him. So, yeah, it is literally one of the worst jobs he could have given him for the yeah. kind of man Sid Royce is. Like, yeah, I mean, I, the, the yeah. comparison to like the comparison to Married with Children is funny and all, but it's also like really accurate to this would be the worst torture imaginable for a for man a like man. Sid. Yeah, it was bad enough for Al Bundy. I know, right? You know, and, and his only accomplishment in life was scoring three touchdowns in a single game. Yeah. Hey, you know. Whereas Sid Royce <laughs> really was, like, on the council of Reagan. He was on Reagan's council of economic advisors. Like, he was yeah. he was a big wheel. He was a somebody. Yeah. But, yeah. and they, I mean, the thing is, they would have still had to put him in a small town where people are unlikely to know him. Yeah, because they don't change his look. I mean, he, they can't change how he looks. Yeah. He's not getting plastic surgery or anything like that. Yeah, and, and it is also Sid's own fault that he won't let his wife get involved in charities and things like that in Bettendorf, Iowa, for God's sake. Yeah. It has maybe. Now, the thing is, is the only thing that I would say about that is that she was good at it. And yeah. if she was really good at it, she might start to garner some more attention. Well, I maybe, maybe, but I think, but I think there's a bigger issue though, right? I think the bigger issue with Sid uh, not wanting her to do it is if she starts becoming 
and I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but if she starts becoming part of the community, then this is all real. Yeah. Then they're not people like hiding, like act secretly, you know, important people who are just hiding from bad people. If she becomes part of the community of Bettendorf, Iowa, then they're just two people who live in Bettendorf, Iowa. Yeah, that's true. And I think that factors into why he can't let. Yeah, I mean, he's, he is. It is all of. I mean, and that's partly Frank set all the wheels in motion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sid Royce being who Sid Royce is. I mean, she's she actually ran off with a farmer. Yes. In a red pickup truck. In a red pickup truck. And she will be able to get involved in the community. She will marry the farmer yeah. and have a new name. She's part of the community. And honestly, after Sid's dead, she can just go talk to her family again. Yep. You know? But yeah, she'll, yeah. she's happy to go and just live a regular life because community is what makes life worth living, is yeah. the message of her whole thing. But it, but it wasn't for Sid. No, no, not for Sid. For Sid, all that mattered was his position. All that mattered was being an important man. Like yes. being someone that people respect. That's what mattered to him. Community was important to him. And he had his wife who valued him. And as long as he had this part of his life that still remembered that he was important, he had something. And then that gets taken away from him. Yeah, but as I said, with, with Frank, I... I I think the correct reading is not that he had a martyr complex. No, you're probably right. That he's he realizing knew, this is this is all his fault. And he can't put the burden of having to shoot this man on, on anybody else. Yeah. Because he did it and he it's it's an overblown sense of responsibility. Yeah. I don't think he did it because he wanted to save his wife. That was not the key. No. Because he knew she would never be able to to accept that. I mean, he already knew that that was going to be blown once she understood what he what had, he done, had to Elvis. done. Yeah, she was never going to understand this. No, never ever, because he could never tell her what Sid Royce did. Yeah, yeah, she can't. He can't go into all of the things that Sid Royce did that made him deserve this kind of treatment. What a monster he was, and so. He's always going to be in her eyes the kind of guy who could do this to someone. Yes. Oh. Even though she had to have known, of course, that this is who he was. Yeah. Like at some level, yep. she was married to this FBI agent who was in the field all the time, and mm -hmm. then was a field manager all the time in dangerous situations. Yep. But she was drunk all the time too. Yeah. So she didn't really, she never internalized just what kind of a person her husband had become. Yeah. And, or maybe uh, ever was. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, all in all, I think that, that Frank had, and I, I mean, that's a reading of the epilogue yeah. as well. When you're going back and you're trying to understand the episode, you have to look at that epilogue. And okay, we'll talk about the epilogue in a second. But first, I just yeah. want to point out how great, what a great job Jenny does of extricating herself. And this is the thing you were talking about, yeah. uh, of extricating herself from him by using the thing, because he had talked about, you know, what his job was and how he used to be meaningful. And so she says, my job that I'm working now, I'm having trouble with the books. Can you look at them for me? And he's like, yeah. of course I will, of course. And it's like, okay. And then she just says, I'll go get them from the other room knowing full well that someone's the minute she's away from him, uh someone is gonna kill Sid. 
obviously. Well, I'm not so sure that. Well, that she might she, not think that he's going to get shot immediately, but like the cops are going to swoop gonna in. Get killed. Yeah, she, she knows the cops she, are going to swoop in the minute she's away. And the thing is, Frank doesn't wait for her to leave the room because yeah. he's like, "I'm taking no chances." So the minute she steps, literally as she's stepping away from him, Frank shoots Sid in the heart, and he's dead instantly. And the thing is. But the thing is that, and this is the horrible thing of it, right? Yeah. Is that Jenny thinks that she had Sid right, ready to surrender. Right. But the minute Sid is not in the conversation with her, yeah. his mind is immediately going to know she's not boo boo. Of course. And, and when she comes back, he would have shot her. And Probably, I, I'm yeah. convinced of that. No, no, I think you're right. And but and that's what makes and it they, so frustrating. Frank because, as miserable as he is. Yeah, absolutely. He oh, would have yeah. made Frank lose his wife the way he lost his wife. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what's so shocking about this, right? Is that she can't forgive Frank for shooting him because she had it handled, but we believe she didn't. Yeah, and Frank believes she didn't, and Frank is probably right. He's almost certainly right. Yeah. He's almost certainly right. There's yeah. there's no yeah. other way yeah. to talk about that. Yeah. Right? No, he had to be taken down. And maybe, you know, guys could have rushed in instead of just shooting him through a window. But, I mean, he probably would have made them shoot him. You know? And, and, yeah, suicide by cop. And exactly. anyway, Frank, I mean, I mean, Frank, Frank, I'm sure that there is a little residual. This man should die anyway. Oh, absolutely. He would never admit that to himself, but no. I mean, this, but I mean, this in no different than what happened off. to Ricky Penzolo. Like, yeah. you can put yourself in a situation where you justify, where you contrive a reason to kill somebody. Yeah, yeah, but it's like again, you're talking about, but the, the key part of Frank shooting him the minute she steps away is it yeah. allows Jenny to get blood all over her. Yeah. Which is the final metaphor for what Frank has to offer and what Frank will bring into her life. Yeah. Like this final visual metaphor of her getting blood all over the front of her. Because that's that's what Frank is. That's what Frank is bringing to her life. And yeah, it's not going to work out. <laughs> Spoiler no. alert. Yeah. This is not going to work out. Well, I mean, and I think the epilogue was very good. You know, she says, I had it handled. And he doesn't even bother trying to explain to her. Correct her. And probably she didn't. He doesn't correct her. He wants to allow her to believe that. Yeah. And he'll he'll be the bad guy. And and he does say to her, he said, it's what I would have done for anyone. And I will tell myself that to the grave. Yeah. It doesn't matter. At least. Well, what, what I, I love, thought. what I love is the cowboy nonsense of him saying yeah. that I've done this job for a long time, but this is the first time I've ever been a sniper. Like this cowboy <laughs> nonsense of there's a good way and a bad way to kill somebody. Yeah. But that's no. what he really believes. I think he really believes the cowboy nonsense that there's a proper way to kill somebody. And it's not hiding in the bushes and shooting them. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's some cowboy nonsense that's, you know, dug deep into him. That it's like he didn't win a gunfight. That would have been fine. But you're right. They go out to the gazebo because, again, the gazebo represents maybe the family getting back together. It always has because he worked on it with his son. 
he and his mm-hmm. son built it together. That's always what the gazebo is represented. And like you say, as he says there, I would have shot, you know, I would have done the same for anybody who was in that hostage situation. And but he admits that that's just something he wants to believe. Yeah. You know, you know, and and she realizes that Frank's never going to be able to stop being this kind of controlling guy on one level. That, like, he's never going to stop being a cop. He's never going to stop having these worst parts of his personality. And yeah. it's well, not going to work out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what he said to Amber. He's never going to give it up. Yep. And it's as true for him. As it was for Vinny. Yeah, and unless he gets completely out of it. Yeah. He'll like he can never have a real life. John Henry did. Yep. He'll never have a real life. Like, John Henry's the only one who ever got out of this thing. Well, yes. And he finally made the consci- the decision to cut all yeah. ties. That he can't and go back to listening to wiretaps and logging evidence. Because then you're still in it. Then you're, you're still, still in, in it, and there's a chance they'll pull you back into undercover work. One more time. Yep. Yep. They might need an old man sometime. Exactly. Right? And that's why John Henry is such a fascinating... An inspiring figure because he's the guy who, like Roger, saw how bad this thing was and got out of it and stopped to just stopped doing it. Yep. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's such a good episode. There's so much going on with Frank. And again, acting tour de force. Yep. It really is like every bit of it. And again, they managed to do it. Uh, with like, it's an episode that is as much or it's more without Vinny than Mike McPike was because Vinny's in Mike McPike, but, uh, this one, Vinny's basically not in, but he's there for the pivotal moments and that's what counts. He's there for the pivotal moments. So we're showing like the details of how deep his relationship with Frank is and how much he cares about Frank and how much he needs Frank to you know get through this all right that he's willing to do whatever for frank yeah and i think that's key even as the whole rest of the episode you know just doesn't not only doesn't involve any all because you think about the big frank episodes are this stairway to heaven and white noise and you know vinnie's all over stairway to heaven right and vinnie's actually in a lot of meet mike mcpike uh but he didn't need to be (laughs) Whereas here, Vinny does not play the kind of role he does in those other episodes. But it's still key that they really are that close, that they really are that are our family. And Vinny would clip this guy for Frank yeah, without any hesitation whatsoever. And because they all know Sid yeah. Royce is bad. Guy. Yeah, he knows Sid Royce. He's got no. Yeah, he's got no. Uh, elude thank you i couldn't come up with the word illusions somehow (laughs) i couldn't he's got no illusions about how who sid royce is if sid royce is a danger sid royce is gonna go you know he he shot lorenzo steelgrave not lorenzo steelgrave but you know like this is not something that would trouble vinnie fake lorenzo yeah fake lorenzo steelgrave this is not something that vinnie would lose sleep over the way frank's gonna lose sleep over it and he is because he's yep. shooting a guy in front of his wife. He will lose sleep over this, and this is going to forever damage his marriage. But like you say, and I've come around to your way of thinking, he has to do it because this is his mess. 
and he has the ethos lives in the via headspace where you always clean up your own messes yep oh it's such a good episode yep it is it's just magnificent like it's just one of these great episodes it's got so much to say about the characters and oh like and, the collateral and, damage of of uh, this unprofessionalism yes you know because it is it's unprofessional it's using yes. his power to enact petty vengeance on someone who, who someone who deserves worse but it's not <sighs> frank doesn't do what he does to elvis just because elvis deserves it he no, does it because he wants because he wants to punish him and he wants to get revenge for karen yeah. malloy yeah you know? and that that that's the problem yeah because the thing is, had they put him in like in some town with a better job and a better name, the stuff with his wife still would have happened roughly the same way. He still would have been paranoid about the idea of ever being spotted and his wife still would have rankled. She didn't run because she's named Priscilla. No, you know, she didn't run because her husband works at a shoe store. She ran because she can't be locked in a room with one person for the rest of her life. And that's what she was being asked to do. Yes. And and that was never like, you see, because their marriage was such that mm -hmm. they probably didn't spend a lot of time together anyway. Of course not. He was busy working sudden, constantly yeah. and she had her own society stuff because she's a, you know, high, uh, a high minded wasp, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's because it, he literally refers to himself as having been bred for the position he had. Yeah. You know, this whole idea of the old American ruling class, the people who are supposed to be in charge, the people who go back to the Mayfair and have always run America. Mayflower. Mayflower, not Mayfair. Thank you. The Mayflower who have always run America and always shall run America. Like he fully believes that part of his, his own press. story yeah <laughs> that he has the pedigree to lead and by the way that is one of the most toxic things that america believes that there's such a thing as like a pedigree in humans like, i watched that documentary about uh elizabeth holmes then the whole theranus scam right and how this woman had a very dumb idea for blood testing and never made it work and just scammed her investors Right. And now he's going to jail for that. Maybe for a long time. We'll see. Um, but one of the funny parts was, is you listen to these investors talking about it. And it's like, you know, this 19 year old girl comes with this amazing idea for how to, like, completely change the game of uh, of testing. And I'm like, well, like her father was a, a famous rich businessman and her grandfather has his name on hospitals. So obviously she must know what she's talking about. Because she has the correct breeding, like. But that's but remember that it. the moneyed class is the class that replaces yeah. royalty. Exactly. So they believe that it's like, oh no, knowing about business must be inheritable. Like no, it's Look, such a. It, I, I it, tell you, it's an on its face stupid idea, but it's what these people believe. Well, yes, and remember, it goes back to what I said a few weeks ago. I think. You know, maybe, maybe having this this de facto royalty that is there 
but has no real power is what you want because now you've got all these money people who are the de facto are the de are are yeah. not de are, are de facto royalty in America. Yep. They're the ones that everybody wants to be like yeah. and who they look up to and worship. Yeah, but and, maybe if if we just had our own royal have family, real, yeah, they, yeah, they have real power. That's the problem. If America had a you know a a royal family that had no duties except for to cut ribbons and go to state events, maybe people wouldn't be frigging looking to a you know let's face it monster like uh, Elon Musk to figure yeah. out what to do with the future. Spoiler alert: Elon Musk's a monster. He's a real bad guy. He did yeah, a good well, job of hiding it for a while, but now it's pretty clear that he's just the worst kind of person. Sorry, well, uh, you have to figure that out when. Yeah, uh, I know. Anyway. Like when he when he full on says that yes, I'm pro a coup in Bolivia so I can have cheap lithium. I'm like, oh, you need to go. You know? Well, at least he's saying it out loud. You That's know? true. <laughs> at least he's saying it out loud. He's not giving the CIA all sorts of money. Yeah. To go and do the coup well I mean, who the hell knows well i'm sure he's trying <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't Curious shock me to find out that he was like paying for flights for people to go and like donating money to the whatever they call that center for like american democracy whoever pulled the like whoever you know pulled the coup on evo morales you know yeah. whatever that center for american democracy is who the hell knows if he's helping bankroll them because that's what corporations well, do. They bankroll these fake think tanks and fake NGOs that are just there to make sure corporations keep running everything. Well, Chile is now in the process of writing a new constitution. Oh, thank God. Um, because the old one. And so it's supposed to get through the kind of this year. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, what's following up on that. Oh, um, absolutely. So okay all right so but yes the that's the point is sid royce was never gonna have a happy ending no he just wasn't uh he believed he's the kind of guy who believed he should be in charge of anything and he believed he deserved to have anything he wanted and turns out there are people who are going to push back against that yeah and that might work if your last name is Trump and you got to be the president. But if you don't reach that level of height, you're just not going to have the protection you need. Well, and, and he, Trump is Trump is throwing his daughter under the bus. Of course he is. Jesus. Of course he is. What did you think, guys? Well, the, the thing about Sid Royce is it's not actually hard to imagine how he ended up the where he is because he has he has the name and he has you know the white shoe reputation. But it's going to be one of those things where for the past 300 years, the family had money and now the family's out of money. And so in order to keep the prestige going, he started working with the mob. Yeah. Because that's where the power and prestige, it was an easy way back into the power and prestige is because they used to be one of these old families. And then the money went and all you have left is the name and the reputation after the money goes. And so you have to start selling the name and the reputation. And he sold the name and the reputation to Paul Patrice. Yeah. You know, and well, we see how that ended for him. Yes, well, it was, you know, I mean, nobody's going to weep any tears over Sid, Sid Royce except for Jenny. Person. Yeah, I know. Oh, and that is the tragedy. Because we all know how evil he was. Exactly. But Jenny does. And that's the tragedy at the end of the episode. 
Yes. Like it really is. She is. She will never understand why Frank did what he did. Yeah. Oh, so good. And it wasn't because. It wasn't just because Sid Royce had a gun on her. Yeah. That wasn't the only reason Frank did what he did. Oh my God. What an episode. All right. So that's that. Um, I can't believe I have to say this, but next week we're starting the final main series wise guy story arc. It's, it's finally happening. We're getting there. Prepare to find out about Lynchburg (laughs) or Lynchboro. Yeah. Lynchboro. Oh, Lynchboro. (sighs) Yeah. And, uh, and some fun stuff. I mean, it is. uh, So we're going to be watching next week episode. I think it's 316. 315. Yeah, check. It's just um, the two episode titles are A One Horse Town and His Master's Voice. Yes. Uh, Those are the two episodes we're going to be watching next week. So get ready for that. So it is uh. 316. Technically, I think it's for most people. Well, it depends. If you've got the if, if you've, you've got, got that DVDs, people do it all the time thing. If you've got if you're missing that one like I am on my the DVDs. Number, yes. the it, number but it's will slightly get changed. Yeah. Yeah, it's yes. So it's 316 and 317 because that one um or it's 317 318. So yeah. but it's one horse town. You can't miss it. Nope, you cannot. It starts off with Vinny in it with a trucker as Vinny a trucker. Being a trucker. So, if you see if you see Vinny in a big rig, you're on the right episode. Yeah. <laughs> That's all and you then, gotta remember. Yeah, and then his master's voice. And then his master's voice. Uh which oh, hard to get a straight answer. I mean, we'll talk about it when we get there. In fact, people have likely, if they've been watching us the whole time, might have already seen a scene from his master's voice. One of, like, the best scenes that the show ever did. We've already, you know, clipped that and uh, shown it to people uh, to talk about profiling. So that'll be, uh, that should be a lot of fun. But yeah, so come on back next week for that. But for now, uh, I'm just going to say, as always, thanks for listening. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you think we ought to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you're listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, I would very much like you to rate and review it because that's how people find the show. Join us back here Tuesday for more of our beloved Vincenzo and Wednesday for A One Horse Town and His Master's Voice. See you back here for that. But until then, au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks podcasting network.